1: Welcome to the uncontested podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presty said lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. (laughs) This is a house (laughs) of learning doctors. (laughs) Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops.
2: I mean, a cat and a dog connected together?
0: This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The
2: Uncontested.
3: What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested podcast. Live stream Sunday night. So we are doing our typical live stream show plus a post-game show for you as the Thunder beat the San Antonio Spurs 99-94. Don't call it a win streak. <laughs> I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. I've got a full crew with me tonight. J.D. Silva is in the house. Hello. We've got Taylor Peterson. Two in a row, the tank is over. And Justin Peabody. Hello, everybody. We are o- officially a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Tons of great NBA Pods on Blue Wire Podcast Network. So go check those out. We are also the official podcast of SI Thunder. Go there to get all of your latest Thunder news and content. Shout out to everyone joining us on the stream tonight. If you're listening to this podcast version on your podcast uh, player of choice, we appreciate you. Make sure to go drop that five-star rating. Screenshot that five-star rating. Send it to us on Twitter. We're gonna mail you some uh, some dope uncontested holographic stickers. I think I've sent out like fifteen so far. So Whoa. make sure to get on that. Drop some, drop a five star, send it over. We will hook you up to some stickers, gentlemen. We've got a loaded show tonight. Let's start off talking about the game that we just watched: the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the San Antonio Spurs, a ninety-nine to ninety-four Thunder win. Didn't look like it was going to be a thunder win early as the thunder got down by as many as 16 in the first half. Justin, just some of your, your flashball, big takeaways from this game. Like whenever you think of this, this game and what you just watched, what's the thing that jumps out to you?
4: hmm the big thing that jumps out of me is that i'm old and washed and daylight savings time hits me different than it used to <laughs> and i may have slept through most of the second quarter if i'm being fully honest
2: well Touché. that's what changed the tide of the game right there it was when I, justin you're fell asleep welcome, <laughs> i think is what i'm getting at mike muscala, uh. muscala goes crazy at the same time <laughs> justin falls asleep
4: i'm old man on the couch sleeping uh, anyway, shouts to my wife for waking me up. <laughs> uh, my overall takeaway from this game is uh, the Thunder like to do everything the hard way. Um, this is now two straight comeback victories for the Thunder. All three wins this season were comebacks. I think tonight, like Taylor just alluded to, it's, it's Musky being the spark plug, providing that barrage of threes. I did see the three threes in a row. I was not asleep for that. Uh, but 20 points overall, first game this season that Shea wasn't the leading scorer. I think having a guy oh, like you did not realized
3: that that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. fascinating.
4: So, like a guy like Muskie that can come in off the bench and just be like a spark plug is something that you probably can't rely on Muskie on. You can't rely on Muskie for every night. But when you get that outburst, I think it, it just shows how, um, Fine, the line between winning and losing can be the thunder just don't have those types of guys off the bench right now that are reliable. That said, the other big takeaway is the Spurs are ass. And so <laughs> <laughs> you have to put that asterisk on it.
3: That ass on it. Yes. Oh, um, got to go. put that on there. <laughs> you know, Justin, you mentioned, you know, you can't always expect Bayes, or sorry, not Basley, but Muscala to come in and cook like that. But Muscala's game tonight was eerily similar to Ty Jerome's game against the Lakers Hmm, came in was, was a big time spark plug in the second quarter to get the team going uh, to kind of get, get the wheels turning for lack of a better term to get the, the comeback on the rails and get it going. You know, Ty had what was that like eight points at the end of the second quarter against the Lakers, two threes and a and a layup, I believe. And then Muskie came in in the second quarter today and had what was that like fourteen points
2: in five minutes? There
3: you go, fourteen <laughs> points in five minutes and just cooked. So even though they don't have that guy off the bench that that can do that regularly, they are finding that from somebody off the bench, kind of each time they go there. So I'm interested. You know, will we get a game like that from Poku at some point? Will we get oh, a game please. like that from from Trey Mann at some point who we'll talk a little bit more about later? Silva, what was the big thing, your big takeaway from this game? If, if Justin's going with Thunder doing things the hard way and Muscala was the savior, what's the big one for you?
1: I thought it was fun to see the Thunder win a game in which Shea and Giddy were not the two best players on the court at the same time. Um I thought Giddy like, legitimately struggled. Shea struggled a lot. I think he only took five shots in the first half. Yeah. Um, and had just taken 16 shots, uh, only made five of them. But it was awesome to see players like, honestly, Darius Basil. I'll give him a shout out. He's a big reason why we won. Uh, while we were able to close out the game in the fourth quarter, I think he kind of, I don't want to use the word dominated, but like he used his, his size and athleticism to get a lot of crucial rebounds. He was the only player on our team with double-digit rebounds, actually. Um, and... The Spurs uh, are ass and small. <laughs> yeah. Silva, funny you mentioned that about
3: Baisley because post-game head coach Mark Dagnall mentioned that this was like a peak, a ceiling for Darius Baisley as far as energy and physicality. He said he can play like that. It's just a matter of getting it out of him consistently. Mm. And I agree with you. Yeah, I There's that word. I've yep. trashed on Baisley a lot recently, so I have to, to play the other side of the coin as well and give him props tonight. I think tonight was his second best game of the season, even though he Agreed. didn't score a lot. Agreed. I think that first Lakers game was his first best game of the season. I think this one was the second, the way he defended and got physical the way he, especially in that second half rebounded the basketball, I thought was very impressive. And sometimes he still makes poor decisions, but only one three pointer tonight. It yes, was that one was, he was splashed that. there that in the third, in the fourth
2: quarter wide open that corner. corner three that he, he drained. Yep. Yes. Um, he Some of got his drives were well-timed. I thought this time, this go around tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of trying to force a shot around the rim, which he still did to your point, Jacob, but he found open shooters, which, or a, a, a one of his players on the perimeter that were able to swing to another open shooter, right? He was able to kind of keep the offense alive in that way. And honestly, mm-hmm. that was needed tonight when the Spurs were packing the paint, like they were taking away the drives for our two best players and giddy and Shay to yeah. uh, Silva's point. Baisley was able to kind of create offense there and then uh, dish out. He made the right decisions by dishing out and that, that created offense for this team when Shea and Getty were, were unable to, there was defenders like the Spurs have.
3: There was two plays specifically off Narius um, Baisley drives. One was in the second half where he drove and went up, drew a defender and then dropped off a little pass to Jeremiah Robinson Earl who dunked it. And then the play that essentially sealed the game, which was, Baisley got a pass out into the corner, gave a head fake and drove. And then the help came over and he threw a, a, a baseline pass to somebody who swung it, who swung it. That led to a Josh Giddy drive. No look drop off to Dort for a dump. But that whole yeah. action was started off of a Baisley driving kick. Yep. I thought he made much better decisions tonight and I, just the physicality. He, he got blocked on one dunk attempt, came back down and, and nearly killed. I forget, uh, keep Keita Bates, diop Is that yeah, his name? Bates-Diop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nearly killed that man as he like hit the ground
2: because <laughs> Baisley just tried to be more physical than everybody else. And when yep. he plays with that edge, he's a really productive player. And you could see, I mean, especially after, I mean, we can't talk about Baisley and not bring up that monster one-handed putback dunk that he oh. had as since you talked about his physicality and kind of getting pumped up there, Jacob, soon as that happened, you, they kind of the camera z- kind of zooms in on him. You see in his face, he kind of gets a little snarl going. Oh, hey, like, you know what? Oh yeah, Silva, hmm. master of the audio over here, Silva. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you should make a
3: note to rip the audio from the from the feed from that dunk and add it to our post game intro. That's a good one. That's a good one. Take something off of there and add that one in there. I think that deserves
2: it. Cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, one that of the- good. Oh, good. Well, you got you got to rip the the Shea half court.
2: Yeah, as well logo <laughs> Shea. The Lakers had a really good one too. They're like, Shake Gilgis Alexander, already a superstar or something like that. It was oh, really cool. I'll just know if that bad. exists, go grab that it's right my, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's in, in so, the highlight video I put up a couple nights ago. There you go.
3: <laughs> my biggest takeaway from tonight, and, and it's kind of been mentioned already, but it was that this is probably Josh Giddy's worst professional game uh, in his NBA career.
2: I thought uh, you were going to take mine so I'm glad you went with a different small answer. sample size
3: <laughs> obviously small sample size but 7 points on 3 of 10 shooting 1 of 6 from 3 no free throws 7 rebounds 4 assists 4 turnovers he seemed very flustered and he seemed like he forced stuff tonight to me uh, which led to some of those turnovers just some poor decision making he he took a step back 3 there on the left side of the of the court late in a shot clock situation that like hit the side of the backboard. Um, just looked out of sorts from the word go. I'm not sure if that's he's showing up more prominently on scouting reports now and teams are scouting him better. I'm not sure if that is length from the San Antonio Spurs and the interesting lineups that they play, especially packing that paint. Uh, but Taylor, what do you, what
2: do you attest Josh's poor night to? And what can we take away from that? I think I I really do think it, well, it, part of this obviously relates to him being scouted um, and him being able to, you know, start to get used to that, uh, analyze that and find ways to open up his game again uh, and expand his game to be able to get to the rim and be able to score. But I think a lot of it was due to pop and their game plan uh, because it wasn't just, just Josh who um, struggled driving to the rim. Like Silva mentioned, it was SGA as well. Now the difference between a more tenured SGA, maybe is the right way to put that, uh, ascending into superstar level, and a Josh Giddy who's still a rookie but has at least the same playmaking potential. I'm not going to say the same ceiling as Shay, but the same playmaking potential, if not a little more, is uh, Shay was able to set up his teammates when the drive wasn't there, right? Still was able to, to dish out 10 assists even if he wasn't scoring. Giddy really struggled to your point, Jacob. We saw some of those three-pointers trying to open up his game some of those step-back threes that just aren't quite there didn't look great, but I attribute a lot of that to answer your question to pop the Spurs length, um, taking away those drives. And also you have to give credit to Murray and white, two great perimeter defenders.
3: Yes. You got to give credit to Murray and white for their defense, not for their offense. Yeah, I'm uh, kidding.
2: Dejounte Murray,
3: five of 19 for 10 points, Derek white, o of 10 for zero points. So they combined for 29 shots and 10 points. Ooh, Ooh, this, Eubanks, this seven really of eight,
2: good. and cooked Derek Favors. Yeah, you, it was a Eubanks. minus 17 in <laughs> <and> 12 minutes. <laughs> I, I like this from uh, Simon's, Simon Wallace. Uh, probably pure coincidence that Spurs assistant coach is also Australian national team assistant coach. Also, fellow Australian on the Spurs is Jock Lundell. Um, that's go. a good point. They, good they, point. they probably they, had. They knew him what scouted, to expect. Yeah, right. They, they knew what, what to expect.
4: You, you saw that in the first quarter of it it was just so sloppy from OKC, but a lot of credit has to go to the Spurs defense and and not just on Giddy either. Shea tried one of his step back, sidestep threes that just got absolutely eaten alive. I've never seen Shea get so many shot blo- shots right? blocked as he did tonight, Justin. And yep. that's, I think, to your point, it's like, all right, this, the scouting reports were in on this one, at least mm-hmm. to start the game. And I think you saw that with, Shay and Giddy, you know, not having their usual effectiveness. It was the rest of the guys for OKC that that won it. But it that was pretty impressive from the Spurs defense. They didn't do a lot right, but that that was impressive how how they were able to kind of hone in on some of these tendencies and really take advantage on on the defensive end. Speaking of the
3: rest of the guys, I want to talk about the Thunder centers as well. Let's leave Derek Favors out of this because he's not good. and he didn't play good. but
2: I mean, the Duke can't finish a wide-open layup. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's
3: Uh, infuriating. It's a Uh mid-ranger or nothing.
2: Yeah. If you look at
3: the other two centers, uh, Mike Muscala played 14 minutes, Jeremiah Robinson Earl played 24 minutes. They combined for 33 points on 15 field goal attempts. Now, I don't know how many times in Thunder history you've had two centers in a single game combined for 33 points, but I feel like that number is relatively low. So Taylor, just there's also something with the Thunder playing stretch bigs a lot with guys like Josh and Uh, Shay.
2: What do you take away from that? That's exactly what I was going to mention. While JRE and Muskie aren't necessarily the same kind of player, they do share that one common characteristic um, for their position. And that's being able to stretch the floor I actually tweeted this out from our account today, but uh, I mentioned, you know, obviously Gideon and JRE have had really good chemistry from the beginning, but what we saw tonight is that Shea's also looking for him quite a bit as well. It's kind of a favorite target of Shea, and that's because when, when Giddy and Shea are driving like that, they know where they can find JRE. He has really good off-ball positioning, but also his ability to knock down that, that open shot is huge. Obviously, we saw the same with Muskie. So having them on the floor, and sometimes even having them on the floor at the same time that opens up the floor so much more to give these guys more space to drive. Not even just Shea and Giddy, but Dort, who likes to drive some, and like we mentioned, Baisley. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, but one thing I think that kind of stood out to me about JRE, um, and and Muskie, for that matter. You know, we we talked last season, I think, especially about how uh, Muskie's defense kind of surprised us. It it seemed to continue to improve uh, his timing as a shot blocker and also his physicality down low. I thought him and JRE both did a really good job. And honestly, that was kind of my biggest takeaway of the game was the physicality, um, first from the Spurs. That's why they came out so bigly, if they did. Then the Thunder responded. Um, yeah. and Both coaches mentioned that in their post-game availability. Pop mentioned it, that the Thunder were more physical in the second half. That's why they were the better team. That's why they won the game. They wanted it more. They were more physical. And Dignant mentioned that being a a big reason for their struggles in the first half and how he encouraged the guys to come out in the second second half and be more physical. Um, for example, the Thunder outscored the Spurs 18-10, to the paint, and seven to nothing in bench points in that third quarter, right? When they they end up you know, coming back 34 to 14, or they win the quarter 34 to 14. But anyways, I feel like the centers, both JRE and Muskie, um, largely contributed to that that physicality while still being able to space the floor. I mean, that's just the perfect balance.
3: Justin, JRE's defense, and, and Taylor touched on it a lot there, but his defense, there was a possession tonight specifically where I just watched him, where he defended the point of attack Uh, there was a screen. He called out the switch, got Poku through to switch on the other guy. And then there was an off ball screen. And so he switched Poku back to his man, JRE tagged a roller, then rotated back to his man to block out. And I tweeted about it. It's just very Nick Collison-esque defensively to me. Yep. Um, Joseph brings up something that you mentioned specifically in that tweet. There you go. Communicates really, really well. Yeah. So, Justin, just your thoughts on, on JRE as well, not only for tonight, but just for this season.
4: Yeah, I think it's it's the discipline. And you you hear that a lot in, uh, in regards to Villanova guys. And we talked about this a little bit, I think even all the way back on draft night, of if there's anything you can expect from JRE, it's that he's going to come in kind of like fundamentally sound. Uh, and I think that matches up with a lot of the things that we've said throughout the short season so far one thing that was really interesting was Dagnall post game compared JRE to PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really fascinating comp. Um, he's a dog. Makes he's a sense. dog, slightly undersized, but like gets, gets in, makes plays that affect the game, uh, can stretch the floor, but solid on defense communicates well. Like he can kind of be a little bit of that, like defensive anchor, not in the sense that like, He's hands down the best defender on the floor, totally changing the game. But like somebody that like keeps everybody on track, communicates well, makes sure people are in the right position, knows what they're supposed to be doing, can help kind of like piece that together. For a rookie, it's really impressive. Um yep. He kind of quarterbacks
3: think, that unit back there.
0: Exactly.
4: Yeah, that's perfect. And, you know, thinking of like in football terms, some more like he's like the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um Another great analogy. (laughs) But I think overall, overall for JRE, what I love about the Nick Collison comparison is you can make a career out of that. You may not Mm -hmm. ever be an all-star or all NBA and that's fine, but you're going to have a long, healthy career. Just look at PJ Tucker because everybody wants a guy like that on their team. And so I think JRE, if he continues to do this, he's going to have He's going to have a long, fruitful career ahead of him. Hey, put a pin in that that uh little quote that Justin just said, because
3: we're gonna get back to that here in a little bit with one of my takes coming up. Ooh. Um but but put it, put a pin in that one for sure. Guys, before we finish up with our um our, our post-game analysis of this Thunder versus Spurs game, last thing I wanted to touch on was Alexei Pokashevsky, who got 18 minutes tonight, only one of three from the field, one of two from three. Had five rebounds, two turnovers, three points. Um, As far as Poku shit is concerned, that's just what I've dubbed it now. It's just called Poku shit. (laughs) He had some crazy drive flip behind the head pass to a whole bunch of nobody, which was incredible.
4: You know what it reminded (laughs) me of, honestly, was... Russell Westbrook the other night for the Lakers
0: kind of did the same thing against the <laughs> yeah. Thunder. So
3: yes. Maybe he was
4: taking notes.
3: There you go. Uh, I thought Poku, once again, played very much within himself and within the offense. Um, he's kind of taken up the mantle of doing some dirty work. Defending, yeah. trying to block shots. He has some um,
2: critical rebounds, and
3: Jacob. He I think, just it, runs it, circles.
2: Yes, he ran. I was gonna say, I think he it like was dribbles
3: up, he hands it to okay. someone, he runs to the corner, goes down the baseline, comes and up, runs to the and free throw he line. Just circles, and it's then amazing. catches a,
2: a, an offensive rebound. He's like, um, "Look, I'm gonna get bullied down low, so I'm just gonna use my length and size to my advantage. I'm just exactly. gonna crash the boards." <laughs> His three tonight was off
3: a beautiful shade driving kick to an open Poku, who just didn't hesitate fired it up looked uh, fantastic
2: from a form uh-huh, not point. doing
3: as much um playmaking which i would like to see him get back to slowly but it feels like he is kind of falling into a groove and
2: yeah uh, this he's is a role with this team he's our blue exact- collar boy and i'd kind of like speaking of blue speaking of yeah blue collar boys <laughs> speaking of blue though i would like to see him get some burn with the blue not to yes. go completely off topic just so we could see some more of that playmaking jacob but agree with both of you there. Um, definitely kind of finding his role within this team. The G
3: League won't know what to do if they get Poku oh and beat on the same team. <laughs> yes. Two tall, white, Eastern Europeans. Playmakers. Who want to playmake all the time. They won't know what to do with themselves.
2: Just throwing full court oops to each other. I love <laughs> Beautiful. it. Beautiful.
3: Beautiful. I love it. Uh, Silva, Justin, any other comments on uh, our Lord and Savior, Alexei Pokushevsky? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I didn't notice him that much, which might not be a good thing
2: cuz you didn't notice yeah. him bad and you didn't notice yeah. him good. Yeah. <laughs> That's like
4: impossible that. to say about someone of his size and stature. <laughs> yeah, he's not really noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean though. He didn't make me uh, want to drink tonight. Well, <laughs> a positive improvement possibly? Yeah. No, I think uh, I'm with you. He he seems to be like you know, the the wild Pokushevsky roller coaster that we got to experience so firmly in the latter parts of last season is super fun from like a fan standpoint during a point in the season when there wasn't a lot of super fun things happening I think we kind of latched onto it for that reason this is way more encouraging to see him like actually contributing in functional like meaningful ways within the system within the offense within doing role player type things that he's supposed to be doing other than when he's just out there, like it's an A and one mixtape, which is super fun, but probably not like his long-term role. Yeah. Um, I think if he continues to develop that, like you said, I, I would like to see a little more playmaking, a little bit of that, that Poku sauce that we know and love. Uh, but overall, I think it's, it's a solid improvement. He still has a long way to go still super, super, super raw, but also yep. still super,
2: super, super young. Hopefully, he you get like as he becomes more comfortable within this role and gets trust from the coaching staff to get these cons- more consecutive minutes. Hopefully, we see some more of those flashes intertwined within his game, and he becomes more confident in those as well. He polishes that part of his game, and, and then you have a well-rounded Poku in a perfect world.
3: <laughs> to to wrap up our post game segment, I just got to say I tweeted it out. I want to make it known on the podcast as well. I mentioned it earlier, that possession there at the end of the fourth quarter, kind of closing out the game, where uh, it started with the ball in Shea's hand, who made a move, kicked to Baisley, who drove on the baseline, drew a defender, swung it to the opposite corner, who then swung it to Josh, who drove and threw a no-look pass to, to Lou Dort. That, to me, is the epitome of what the Thunder are trying to build a team of guys who can make the right pass, who read the game well, who maybe aren't all overly athletic and just overwhelming you with size and speed and jumping ability, but can make the right play to beat the defense and end up with easy shots and can share the ball down the stretch to win a basketball game. This whole idea of Sam Presti targeting guys like Giddy and Poku, uh, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl and these guys that that have this high basketball IQ to me that play is the poster child of the type of team the Oklahoma City Thunder are trying to build. Absolutely
4: I found an interesting interesting tweet about just this year's rookie class in general and really how the high IQ guys are adapting a lot faster. The Josh Giddies are adapting to the NBA a lot faster than the kind of like athletic freaks are and i i just like think that's, Jalen Green's, that's, yeah, yeah. It, it's really interesting overall because you would think like oh if you're an athletic freak you're gonna go play with a bunch of other athletic freaks and fit right in but i think <laughs> there's something that something to be said about the cerebral side of things the, I, the mental yeah. side of the game that's helping these guys transition a lot quicker and so it's, it's really interesting to see okc's you know kind of pivot along those lines as they kind of change up the type of guy that they're after in the draft. And, and I'll say have... it again.
3: I'll say it again. I've said it so many times. That guy is
2: Chet Holmgren in the 2022 <laughs> draft. What well, it, it just is. Well, yes. that, that's, that's, he's the, the type of player that yep. they've been targeting. And that was going to be my response. Not Chet, but that, you know, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes are the two rookies that so far appear to have both of those mm-hmm. things that you mentioned, Justin. And yep. to your point, Jacob, Chet, maybe, uh, Maybe Paulo, we'll see. Um, and there could yeah, be some but other Chet guys. Definitely, but- has yeah, Chet right.
3: definitely has it. Chet definitely has it. It's just, I don't know. I'm not saying I want them to draft Chet. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't be upset if that happened. I'm just saying that's when you look at the prototype that they've targeted
2: recently. His first preseason game with Gonzaga was. My shoot, it might have been just a scrimmage. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I think they play awesome. coming up pretty soon.
3: Yeah, yeah, Nate Sanders in the chat says, Bro, Evan Mobley and OKC would have been sick. Oh, be we know, just, oh, yeah. just stop, just stop. <laughs> everything's <laughs> fine. Don't twist the knife. Yeah, so Everything. let's
1: be around anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's shift over to a uh, different basketball game that took place this uh, this weekend, which would be Friday. The Oklahoma City Blue took on the Salt Lake City Stars. Uh, Salt Lake City Stars, who have Zaire Williams. or Sorry, not Zaire Williams. Zaire Wade. <laughs> Zaire Wade. <laughs> Apologies. Um, Dwayne have Wade's it. son. Um, I I was in attendance for that game. I sat courtside um, on, on press row, covered that game. I got to talk to a few players afterwards. I'll start off by saying it was awesome to see the Blue back in action. Uh, I love the Blues head coach. Um, whose name is now slipping my mind, which sounds really awful. Gibbs. Yeah, Grant Gibbs. Grant <laughs> Gibbs. A uh, very, very, very nice dude. I love Grant Gibbs to death. Um, he's just, he's so nice. He's just a really nice guy. I just, I really enjoy being around Grant Gibbs. Uh, we also got to talk to Trey Mann and Veet Krechey after the game, uh, both who had very good nights, along with DJ Wilson, who had a very good night. Uh, for the Oklahoma City Blue, and Aaron Wiggins played really well. Uh, also, really, you could say everyone played well because I, I hit you guys in the slack. With four minutes left to go in the third quarter, the Salt Lake City Beat Stars down. had 42 points, and then with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Salt Lake City Stars had 42 points. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and at one point, it was 96 to 42. Goodness, and I was just like,
2: "This is so." Today's Can game wasn't you. as bad. They they played the the stars again again yeah today. Uh, but for the majority of the game, was anywhere from sixteen to twenty points, and a lot of the same. Uh, Trey Mann didn't get to play a lot today, uh, and Dignall came out pre game um, because. Man was active tonight, but he got smoked in the face by an elbow. Um, so it sounds like he's okay, nothing serious. But I was thinking he wasn't playing much because he was going to get burned tonight. That was yeah, not the case. Just, was uh, a little, elbow. I was supposed to be but there this DJ morning. Wilson, Wilson looked really good. I, yeah, I was DJs looked
3: really good uh, the past couple of games for the Blue. I was supposed to be there this morning, but some, uh, some family emergencies kept me from that. Uh, next Friday, the Blue play again, but at noon. Uh, so I will not mm-hmm. be in attendance at that one. But hopefully,
0: ranger for the ones who get it done. Uh, I think it's next Sunday morning,
3: actually, because it's going to be one of those blue in the morning, thunder in the afternoon or the evening games Okay. Uh, again next week. So with that being said, uh, I mentioned that I got to talk to Trey man a little bit post game uh, and Silva has that audio. So, Silva, so we cue that up.
1: Yep. Here it is.
0: Yeah, my main thing is just coming down here, um, getting more reps on defense. Um, they want me to be more aggressive uh, defensively, and then also it's a good confidence game for me, being able to, you know, have the ball in my hand, make plays, and just build my confidence. So for me, it's really just confidence and uh, getting better on defense. You know, it's been a
3: long, long process.
4: Um, so it's just, it was just nice to be out there and having fun. You know, that's that's what I. Love to do the most, and it was just nice to be out there with the guys, and you know we played really well, play uh, play good as a team. So it was it was really fun. So I really
3: enjoyed it tonight. But that's like one of the things uh, I could do like early on uh, was just
4: you know getting some spot up shooting. Um, so you know that, that I was doing it a lot um, because it was a it was a long process until I could like really move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, spot up shooting was just shooting up and down. You know I could do that early on, so. Um, I I stayed in the gym for four hours and hours, just, just shooting because there was no limitation on that, you know?
3: Um, So I think that's, that's the, the part of the game that I evolved the most. And the second half of those comments there were from Viet Krejci who got to play a full game for the first time since his ACL injury Uh, talked a lot about his shooting and stuff as well. Um, But so both Trey and Viet there.
2: Yeah. So, Jacob, I'm, I'm curious, especially since you were there, you kind of mentioned to us in our Slack, um, and I'm more curious after today, uh, again, because I knew you weren't able to go, so I, I was able to jump on at least for the first half until I started building uh, baby furniture during the second half. That oh, was fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun stuff. Built a crib, a dresser. Anyways, but uh, <laughs> well, we didn't get to see Trey, like I mentioned, because he got destroyed in the mouth or nose or whatever it was by a nobo, so <laughs> we didn't see him the rest of the game. But he had a really impactful game from what you mentioned, I think, this, this first game that you got to cover, um, but not from his scoring like maybe we would have anticipated. I'm curious your thoughts on his his ability to create for others, which we haven't seen much of. It seemed like that was kind of on display as well as his defense. Um, you know, he mentioned, you asked him about it, he kind of seemed like almost like he lit up maybe and was kind of uh, happy that you mentioned that. That's something I think that the, the Thunder staff wanted to see from him in the blue.
3: Yeah, for sure. He, I thought his defense was really good on Friday night. Uh, he got his offense going by creating a few steals. I think he had three steals. He was getting in passing lanes. Uh, he was really getting up into. He he was guarding the main the, the ball handler, the point guard, the at the point of attack, really getting up into the ball, making the guy uncomfortable. Um, and then DJ Wilson was behind him, calling out, you know, over, over, under, under, you know, where the screen was coming, center, left side, left side. And so Trey would read off of that, uh, sometimes fight over screen, sometimes go under and then get back to his man. I thought he was really aggressive defensively, uh, which was nice to see. He ended the game with 11 points, eight assists. And I asked um, Coach Gibbs after the game, I said, you know, Trey didn't really uh, was struggling offensively in that first half, but really came out in the third quarter and settled in and kind of set the table for everybody. Uh, and Gibbs corrected me and said, I don't think he struggled. He just missed some shots that we know he can make. Um, but yeah, whenever the, they started taking away things offensively from him, uh, he just read the game and, and started to play make. And I thought in the third quarter of that game, Friday, Trey play made really, really well for others, uh, was, was ball handling, finding the open man, um, breaking down the defense and dropping dimes. I thought he looked really, really good. And, um, quick, funny aside. I had, uh, you you didn't hear my questions in those quotes, uh, but I had prefaced a question to Trey because he said he was in the G League uh, because they want him to be more aggressive defensively and a chance to get his confidence up with the basketball, which I thought was insightful. He basically straight up told us, this is what they want from me right now, right? And so so now we know that. But I I said to him, uh, prefacing a question, I said, you know, I thought your defense was really good tonight, especially like how you got up in the ball handler And I continued it on, and and I asked my question, and then afterwards, Trey looked at me and said, "Hey, yo, so my defense was really nice, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, Trey, it was." (laughs) And so it's almost like he was looking for affirmation
4: from it, uh, which was really cool. I love that. You you don't get that outside of the G League, so I love that level of of candor from Trey, man, and encouraging to hear that you know he's aware of what he needs to work on, he's working on it, and it looked solid. Mm hmm. So now about Veet, uh, the the man of mystery that Thunder fans have been wondering about for multiple seasons now, finally got to play in a game. Uh, talk a little bit about what you saw from him in person, and then a little bit what you, uh, during the game, and then what you saw from him um, post game, kind of getting his getting his thoughts on on how it went.
3: Yeah. So watching him on the court, he's big. Like he is very tall. He's. Not Poku height, but he's like a Darius Basley. Like he's big, he's a little scrawny, hmm. but he's big. Um Post game, he told me that over in Spain he played uh, a lot of point guard, and so he guarded opposing point guards. But he doesn't mind bumping up and getting physical and guarding bigs as well. And he hmm. feels like he can guard one through three. Uh, he guarded That's a lot of point cool guards tonight. They gave you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, he great feel for the game. He just, he sets everything up so nicely. He had some really nice touch passes off, like a pass would swing to him and he'd quickly redirect it to a guy cutting or something like that. Uh, Reads the floor really well. He mentioned in that quote there that Silva played us. He's been working on his jump shot a lot. He told me specifically, he said the transition from Europe to American basketball is like American basketball is a lot more one-on-one and less like of a team. He didn't say like less of a team sport, but basically saying you have to play a lot. He's alluded to that. uh Mm -hmm. He said you have to play a lot more one-on-one basketball. And Mm -hmm. so his jump shot is something he's been working on a whole lot uh, in the recovery process. And he had in that game, like a late shot clock step back three. That was just like silky smooth. You can see the, the intrigue there for sure. Today he flirted with a triple double, does a little bit of everything. I th- thought he got to the line really well on Friday night, uh, drawing contact, being physical. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys know this, in the G League, uh, it's one free throw for both the
2: points. Yep. And it speeds mm. the game up a whole lot. It's yeah, really cool. That. They incorporated yeah. that, I think, two seasons ago to kind of see mm-hmm. how it goes. And that could be something we see moving forward. It'd be, be yeah. kind of fun. One, fr-
3: one free throw for two points, and then he just move on. So it's that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I thought he was really good. And, and post-game, he was very chatty. Um, really wanted to give us a lot of insight. I thought the stuff about, uh, European to, uh, American basketball was, was very fascinating as well. Um, he's but really, a really well con- spoken it yeah, almost really like kind guy took me back. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, you know, just talked about how he's really worked really hard on his, uh, his recovery and how the coaches knew that, you know, he's at a hundred percent physically, but he said like, he went down at one point on Friday and was like worried about his knee immediately mm-hmm. but then like kind of brushed it off so i think he's still working through like the the, the mental, mental aspect of it um and he said the coaches understand that and they're working with him and you know there was no pressure on him to go out there and like do a whole bunch in that game mm-hmm. uh, but a really well-spoken nice young man yeah um that i think the the thunder are very interested in because again you want to talk about a guy that fits that mold he's tall he's long Uh, He can play make. He's very cerebral, high IQ, does a little bit of everything. Jack of all trades kind of player. He's, um, you know, a a Poku, Josh Giddy kind of prototype player.
2: Yeah, I kind of I noticed that a little bit today in the two and a half or so quarters that I was able to watch via the stream um, for the Blues game today. One thing I did notice and I kind of attributed to that rehab and coming back from that injury, Jacob, He's a step slow on the defensive end, especially against smaller, quicker guards. I want to say it was actually the way that he was guarding. Uh, One one possession specifically I saw where he pretty much just, you know, one quick step back, one quick crossover, and just blew right by a bit. He was still a step behind. uh, Very obvious. But on the other end, I mean, a lot of playmaking flashes. Uh, There was one play, or a couple plays actually, where he was able to either get a steal or grab a rebound. Uh, Again, we we keep talking about this style of play, like you mentioned, Jacob, You know, he puts the ball on the floor and then just like in a giddy or Poku fashion, almost a like three quarters court pass to a offensive teammate who and able to generate um offensive transition. So um I noticed a lot of those flashes as well. Still just trying to get some strength and speed back while also yeah. trying to get acclimated to a new brand of basketball, like he mentioned to you.
3: Yeah, it was very insightful, very fascinating. So I really enjoyed going, and hopefully we will be back at more G League yes. games and yeah. and getting more of that insight for you guys.
4: It's pretty interesting watching them play in the Paycom Center too.
3: Yeah, uh, I had never covered game. a game in the Paycom Center, so hey, I was on the phone with Nick, cool. like, where do I go? <laughs> what <laughs> what do, do I do? <laughs> How do I get to this where place? Do they hide the um, snacks. <laughs> uh, quick, uh, quick little like side note. Um, at at halftime, I got up uh, to go use the bathroom. And so you walk down like behind the thunder bench and then around the baseline over to the tunnel, um, to the opposite tunnel that, that the thunder come in. And, uh, there was somebody sitting like on the front row, uh, just kind of chilling in a hoodie and I accidentally like, like nearly bumped their leg. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, kept walking, went to the bathroom. And then, so when I'm coming back, I'm walking down the baseline coming back and I'm looking at that person.
2: And they're and on the phone up to you and he says, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm really him.
3: <laughs> I'm really him. <laughs> Looked up and yeah, it was Shea Gildas Alexander who I uh, <laughs> who I nearly bumped, and so Shay, Lou, Sam Presti, uh, Eric Mayner, a whole lot of the guys were there uh, watching the the OKC Blue on Friday night, which I kind of figured they would be. Yeah. Um, and cool. because they were they were home, and they two years ago, and you guys know this. Whenever I was covering the G League, the the Thunder were there all the time hanging mm-hmm. out. So really cool to yeah. see. Really Love cool to that.
1: see. Do you look Sam Presti right in the eyes? Did you guys, did you guys <laughs> lock
3: eyes? I, I did not. He was. He looked way too cool for me to look at. <laughs> That's fair.
4: It's it is cool that they, you know, the the Thunder guys go out and support the team because I've gone to a few Texas Legends games down here. I think I've shared some of those stories <laughs> on the podcast before. It is not like that at all. It's like trying to play a basketball game in the middle of a circus, and <laughs> there's not anyone, Dallas Mavericks personnel within like 50 miles of this arena. It's just a complete yeah. clown fiesta. I think Who the, are they there uh, are affiliated? very um
3: What's the word that I need to use here? Um, they're very into. That's not the right word. Like, but they're, they're very, very invested. In, they're very invested yeah. in the G League. They're they're mm-hmm. very um, progressive, forward thinking, uh, yes. and like trailblazing with Agreed. the G League and how and how they utilize it.
2: Yep. Agreed. And not as we've seen in the past, not just for their players either. Um, you mentioned Gibbs, Jacob, I would not be surprised to see Gibbs on, on the thunders bench. As oh, like okay. he'll, I, he'll
3: follow the Mark. Dagnall, the
2: yep. The Mark Dagnall track. So yep. maybe not for head coach. Cause they're close in age. But yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> so awesome. Well, there's your G league update, your OKC blue update gentlemen, to close out this episode, I had a fun little activity I wanted us to do. We are about 10% of the way through the NBA season. Uh, through the thunder th- thunder season specifically, so we are each going to make a thunder statement with 100% confidence. Now, that this doesn't mm. mean it has to be a hot take that you're firing off that you fully believe, it can be like a lukewarm take, it's like uh the bathwater after it's been sitting for a while.
1: Oh, okay. Um, it's, like it's uh
3: it's that that microwaved food that you microwave, but then you forgot about it because you got busy, and you come back, and it's a little warm, but it's not all the way hot. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a hot take, but something that you just you're all in on, you fully believe one hundred percent down to your core. Like you've seen enough, you are you are planting your flag at this spot. So to get us started, uh, I will I will get us started here. I will fire us off uh, to give you guys an example. Here is mine. Justin, I told you to put a pin in it earlier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be the Thunder's backup center for the next decade.
4: Ooh, Mm, I like that. I don't know if that's hot.
3: I don't think, I don't know if that's hot, but he just, he very much feels like culturally, style of play, Hmm. demeanor. He's, he was built in a lab by Sam Presti.
1: Mm
3: And I think he yeah. is not really a ceiling raiser, but he is a floor raiser for sure. He really raises the team, the the floor of your team. He's a jack of all trades. Again, I see so much Nick Collison in him. I think he's your your backup center. I never think he's going to be like a big time starter. I think they're going to find that guy. Yeah, but I think he is just your your glue guy backup center. Can run the two man game. Get keeps everyone in line defensively. Makes the hustle play
2: tonight kind of thing for the no next more, eight no to less. 10
3: years on this team. I think he's yep. going to be 29, 30, 31 years old, still playing with the Thunder. How close
1: cool. to his ceiling do you think he is at this point?
3: God, 85, 90%. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. that seems like a lot, but I mean, yeah. the dude went for what, like 11 points on three of five shooting tonight? 14, I think, yeah. Uh, four, yeah, 14 points, had like five rebounds. Gained
2: um, some more size and strength, uh, refined that shooting and and yeah. continue to improve on the It's like he walked end. in as a veteran role game. player exactly yeah, right
1: he,
3: he just he does everything correct um yep so that that's my do you guys have any disagreements there
4: no i, I look mean, forward to no. uh retiring his jersey in about 12 years or so Yeah. <laughs> he and <laughs> rich williams are both him.
3: just kind of that vibe okay they, so very
4: much so <laughs> i thought i'd
3: get some pushback i thought we'd get some debate on that first one i, I like not. that a so lot justin justin your turn give us your uh 100 confident thunder belief okay
4: by the end of the season, Vit is taking all of Teo's minutes.
2: Oh, I like that. Okay, I, I had a similar one about Viet, um in terms of playing time in the second half of the season, but um, not that he would take Teo's minutes. I like that a lot.
3: Okay, so I think that's interesting. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll disagree with you there a little bit. You um, of all
0: people, no, I think Viet is really good. I, I disagree I think... in terms of Teo,
3: but <laughs> I think Teo. Ta- I think Teo should not play, but I don't think he's going to take <laughs> Teo's minutes in the sense that like Teo almost exclusively plays the one on this team. Mm. And I think you're going to see Vite play a lot more like front court. Yeah. Mm. I yeah, wouldn't be surprised if you see like Vite, Poku, and Baisley, uh kind of splitting up minutes. In that I mean, we court. saw oh, Jerome v. came
2: in for like D- Darius Basley, vice versa. Yeah. Poku came in. I think the the Poku... Um, the Poku, Ty Jerome, Teo minutes they are all gonna in, in yeah. of, it, going to be up and kind of it's going to depend on the night, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's where Viet can, can slide in and get some of those minutes.
4: I thought you were starting to describe a veet Poku, Basley lineup, Jacob. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, <I> was, <laughs> why not? Josh <laughs> Viet Poku,
2: Basley Shea. That is kind of a trend I'm seeing. We'll, we'll see some of those like, uh, to put it lightly or yeah, not so great lineups in the second quarter, uh, just to give those guys a little bit of burn. And then we never yeah. see him again for the rest of the game. That's been a yeah, trend just, for like just, the past G- three games. Yeah. Just get, get it, get a shot. Yep.
3: yep. The V take is, is fun though. I think he's still going to play a lot yep. of G league minutes. I think he'll play more G league minutes
2: than NBA minutes this year for sure. But to your point, when the, like when the G league is over, mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see how they don't incorporates and Trey man back into some regular yep. minutes.
3: I'm, I'm yeah. interested to see how Veet progresses throughout the G League year. Yeah, because the G League that, team plays 50 games. So okay.
2: that's exactly that's kind of
4: remembered where my head was at was, you know, knowing that, like you said earlier, it was his first game uh, back after the injury. I think kind of seeing how he gets in a groove is going to be everything with him. Yeah. Silva,
3: give us <laughs> your Thunder Take. You are 100% confident.
1: Yeah. So, Justin, you almost took mine. Mine is, mine is a few gradients further into the flames than yours. I'm <laughs> uh, starting next season, Tao Maladon will not be on the Thunder roster. Ooh. Mm, um, I think that's fair. There's too many mouths reasons. to feed. Yeah, yeah, too many mouths to feed. Uh, we have how, how many guaranteed picks? We have our pick and then one, probably one more. It's the Suns. If, no, it, we, we have um, the Clippers, Clippers
3: pick this season. Yeah. Uh, we it, will also get the, the, the Suns
1: pick unless the Suns like miss
3: the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Yep. The ones that'll that will probably hit are Suns and uh, it's so minimum two, probably, and then if the if the Clippers continue to just bottom out in three. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? so if Teo keeps doing what he's been doing, which he was over five tonight, didn't really do anything else. Um, if he continues down that path, why wouldn't you just take another swing on someone else and send him send him somewhere else?
2: Yeah, and you I have I just worry about how much this Sam Presti, Dagnalt, both seem to really I know think highly of. It. They they love that stability that lows that, that or that high floor I guess hypothetical mm-hmm. high floor that he brings. Um, yeah, we yeah. saw it last season. We saw it into the G League, but since then we have not seen a high ceiling. It's he been, just a, he puts no pressure. on the high defense floor. Floor. I keep saying that, right? At all. I mean, like they, they were leaving him the then being he the never attacked wide open. He yeah. never
3: makes the defense make decisions. He he just swing. He takes two dribbles. He looks and then swings The ball. And nobody is like, nobody is scared of him. Nobody's worried right. that he's going to do anything. Like, I could see Trey absorbing
2: a lot of those minutes. Uh, I would like to see Trey stretch. absorb a lot of those oh. minutes. Absolutely. That's an interesting. Just, I just I wonder how the Thunder would go about that. Are they able to throw him right. in in a sort of trade? Do they just – I mean, it'd be weird to just kind of wave a player on their rookie contract like that, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah. I, I agree with you, Silva. You like, still have Ty Jerome as well. Keep him on yeah. the end of the bench? Like, probably not. Yeah, no, that's – The sauce lord. Yeah.
4: They'll trade him for something. It'll yep. just be interesting to see, like, what that looks like. But also, uh, this just reiterates my take about preseason and summer league and how yeah. it's all completely meaningless. Mm, like, yeah. people were slobbering everywhere after the first <laughs> Summer League game. Teo's taking the leap! Did
2: you see his guns? <laughs> Look how big and he like, is.
4: Yeah, he looked great in that one Summer League game. Um, But yeah, ever since <laughs> then, it's been just pretty meh. And now, granted, it's, you know, the be- very beginning stages of his second year, there may be more there. There may be more there later in the season, but I agree with you, Silva. If there's not, how much more do you need to see
2: from him? Yeah, like hey, if his... he
4: doesn't show anything at all this season,
2: why? I Just mean, it's not on. a coincidence. I don't think that like the past two big comebacks that the Thunder have had, it's been because Dagnall hasn't played Tayo a lot of minutes,
3: and he's played Ty Jerome double the minutes every night. Yep, Tayo in seven minutes tonight, he had that one assist. Where Poku kicked, kicked it up to Teo, who kicked it across to maybe Dort or somebody for a layup. Besides that, zeros across the board, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, zero turnovers, zero fouls, zero plus minus, zero points.
1: I think I, I came into this season horrified thinking cardio. That, yeah. I came into this season like really. I'm surprised that Taylor has been as bad as he is. I think mm-hmm. I came in thinking my yes. Baisley stock would just be plummeting constantly. It's it's afloat, you know. My Baisley stock looks it's like a out. scribble. It's just yeah. up and down yeah. and up and yeah. down and up and down. Which but is what don't mentioned in his post game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Taylor's just been bad. It's like he's playing 2K with nothing but the pass button and the move and the move joystick. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> That's else. so true. So Every true. In his
3: pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Taylor your thunder take that you have with 100% confidence.
2: This is a pretty good transition. And I don't know, maybe mine's the spiciest in terms of, uh, I think it'll make our listeners the most upset. But look, just based off what I've seen, how both, um, well, really just dig on how he talks about this player and the opportunity he continues to give this player, the long leash this player has. I think Darius Baisley gets the extension 100%. I'm pretty confident in that. Okay. That's I'm interesting. Sorry, that would, that would I... be this off season, but I think he gets the extension. Yeah. Um, I'm, starting to know, I'm not saying I want that yet, yeah. right? Like, I, I'm just saying yeah. I, I'm pretty certain you, it happens. Yeah, you're you're saying you you
3: believe it will happen 100%. Correct. He's Correct. not going to not get the extension. He's not going to get traded. Correct. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I think I'm starting to believe more in the possibility of the extension happening. Maybe I think that's, uh, I believe in that a little bit more than I believe in basically just blossoming totally. Like, yep. I think we might give him an extension even if he hasn't shown everything we want.
2: Like not keeps mentioned, he mentioned the peaks. I I love that it, it's not really an analogy, but I love the way he described Bailey's development. He keeps showing these different peaks, but then you know he kind of goes back in these valleys and just all this inconsistency. In, inconsistency, and that's how us as a podcast um, covering him have felt. That's how us as fans have felt with Bailey's development. A lot of peaks, a lot of valleys, but I just think those peaks are going to be a little too intriguing for both Presty and Daynault, especially given. Um, Basley's age not using that as an excuse I hate that excuse I mis- mentioned that a lot li- earlier in the week on the, the post game podcast with Justin and, and Jacob and calming but I just think I think the thunder all in on Basley meh <laughs> I
4: <laughs> I'm not sold uh, I I don't think I buy the uh, 100% certainty aspect of this take I think it is very much Up for grabs, whether Basley is going to get that extension or not. I think that we've seen the Thunder walk away from more promising prospects than Basley, and and I I don't know I don't know that he's shown enough to warrant keeping him around. Like, may he may turn into something eventually. Absolutely, he may Cameron paint it and and figure it out later
2: (laughs) down the line. Who knows? But like.
4: I don't or know T that was... it.
2: and unfortunately, T. Ferg is no longer in the league after he yeah, was traded.
4: Well, and that's the thing is, like it, he reminds me a lot more of T. Ferg. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's where I, I just don't know. I, I with as many like draft picks as as we just alluded to, and as many guys as are already here, like. It just feels like there's a lot of other prospects that they're gonna have the opportunity to explore. I mean and I don't know if, if, if they Bazley... draft
2: Apollo or a Chet Nick. I mean yeah can play Chet at the center hypothetically. I, I just but... don't
4: know that like his seat on the bench is gonna be worth keeping filled after yeah. this season. Yeah.
3: I could definitely see Darius being um like a draft night trade to move up. Yeah. Move your draft <laughs> pick up from like let's say the uh the Clippers pick ends up being like pick thirteen. Uh You trade pick thirteen plus Baisley plus something
2: else to go. And maybe like, like we talked, like we just talked about some of those peaks. Maybe those are enticing enough to another team. They say, think they can bring out the consistency. I was gonna say <laughs> mm-hmm. if they're gonna use them to trade up on draft night, he better start showing something showing a more, more consistently.
3: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No, I
4: I totally agree.
3: Um I think these are these are interesting. I, I'm glad that we have some stuff that we that we all kind of firmly believe in um i mean and and i'm sure like we could fire off some more takes here but i think
1: a lot of people go on
3: go on podcasts (laughs) and fire off uh uh just very very hot takes but i like having these like rational i fully believe in this thing Mm -hmm. takes and um yeah so let me let me fire off one more and this one is not a hundred percent one i want to ask you guys what percentage what percentage you would put this one at (laughs) <laughs> okay, what percentage would you put this one at? And this is where we'll Good. end the show. Shea Gilgis Alexander getting the all-star nod.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. I,
1: I had this
3: one on my list, and I was thinking what about it. What percentage? I don't think any of us have it at 100%. That'd be kind of crazy. But what 30%. percentage? 30? That's yeah. It's kind of low. So right now, after tonight's game, uh, stats.mba.com has updated. Shea is scoring and a half points a game. Five rebounds, four assists, uh, and he is shooting 37% from three on six and a half attempts per game.
1: I think there needs to be an injury.
3: Okay, so he kind of gets like the Devin Booker. Ah, um, ah,
2: I found my stat I wanted. Most isolation points this season. Well, there was a couple, but this is the first one I found. Most isolation points this season. Shea was 66, uh, granted. This was uh, 11 2, so a couple days back, but. Um, most isolation points per game this season, or actually total this season: Shea sixty-six, Harden fifty-eight, and KD fifty-six. There you go. Pretty incredible. Yeah, that was after I, his uh, logo three. <laughs> I was gonna say thirty, also. Um,
4: Silva beat me to Lord. it, <laughs> but I, I yeah, it's that's not a knock on Shea either. And so anybody listening to to me predict thirty percent, like. That's not a knock on Shay. Is he an all-star caliber player? 100%. Like that's, that's my 100% rating. He is deserving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, there's a big difference between being deserving and actually being on the team. Just look at what happened with Devin Booker last year. Like it took the yeah. Adams over special selection of yeah. filling in for somebody else for Devin Booker to get to be an all-star. Think of how long it took Dame to be an all-star. Like there's lots of good players that don't get all-star nods. And unfortunately for Shea, I think that might be him until the Thunder are back in contention. Once winning, whether it should or shouldn't plays a big role in all-star selections. And I think that once the Thunder are uh, not repositioning and replenishing, then you have a Shea all-star nod.
1: I just think if if a uh, if a young point guard gets in, it's going to be Jaw. Even though I think they're similar agreed. to like similar skill level players, Jaw just plays a, a much flashier style and is getting a lot more media attention. I agreed.
2: Agree. I like. I think I kind of have it at forty percent right now for a lot of the reasons you guys mentioned. The main being that there's just so many talented guards, um, especially uh, on, on teams that are competing. Like you guys mentioned, the Grizzlies obviously is Jaw's a perfect example. But there is more buzz about Shea this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, nationally, did, I, I've talked about it a lot, Taylor. The conversation the started narrative. last year Yeah, and starting right. the conversation is huge. And that's important. That's absolutely important. So maybe it is a Devin Booker situation when guys like jaw have already made the list, but I think there's a, a greater than, I mean, I don't want to put it at 50 50 yet. I think it's a little too early for that, but I think we're starting to with 50. I'm going to go 40%.
3: All right. I like it. One more. I want to see where you guys have
2: your percentage at.
3: <laughs> Thunder are currently at three and six on the year. Their Vegas over under was 23 in order to break 23 and go over at 24. They'd have to win 21 games out of their 73 left. So the rest of the way, they'd have to go 21 and 52. What percentage do you give them of making the over Justin?
4: 25%.
3: Oh, wow. I thought you'd go a lot higher considering the, the challenging games they've played so far.
4: Mm, oh, I no. I had
3: that. I, it feels to me like they're kind of figuring some stuff out.
4: I don't disagree, um, but we'll have plenty of interventions in our pocket to prevent them f- from figuring too many things out to um, yes. I, and well, I don't, I don't mean that to say we're going to shut down Shay and make up fake injuries. <laughs> like I'm not, that's not what I'm yeah. saying. However, we just talked about a bunch of guys that are playing on the blue that aren't going to be on the blue at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I think you could see them get some real minutes, and whatever happens to the outcome of the games as a result of that happens. And well,
3: hey, the the next two games for this team are against uh, the reeling
1: Pelicans, uh, who nobody wants to
3: talk about being the black eye of the Thunder. I was told they would get
2: nine wins total. No kidding.
3: the The Pelicans on Wednesday, and then uh, the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, on Friday, this team could be one. five and six God. come hey, that, next weekend. That King's
1: Please Thunder know. matchup
2: like has potential to be an absolute blast. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just looked up strength, remaining st- strength of schedule as we currently sit right now. They are good friends over at tankathon.com. Thunder currently sit at 25th. So oh, not very not too strong. Difficult. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yep. Interesting.
3: So Silva, where do you put percentage wise the Thunder hitting the over now after their three and six start? Probably
1: like forty percent, but if they go, if they do go over, only only by a couple of games.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, and I then think Taylor, I, where do you put it? I don't want to say forty again, so I'll say it's kind of 50-50 at this point because all right, there's so much. Uh, yeah, I, I like what Justin said about the different levers that can be pulled to make sure yeah. you don't reach that.
3: I'll go. Uh, I'll go the forty percent on this one. Yep. I'm feeling. I'm feeling better and better. The tank meter not doing so well this week, guys. They almost no. beat the Clippers, too, and they would yeah, have been 3-0 you know, this week. Yeah. <laughs> that would
4: have been nuts.
3: Yes. All right. I think that's all we got for you. Silva, you know what time it is. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> there we yeah, go. <laughs> hey, thank you guys so much for joining the live stream tonight. The uh, chat was popping, especially with some uh, inappropriate comments. Uh, <laughs> I'm See, man, I'm spicy. What, the, I a moderator, the, the bots are out. So thank you guys for joining the live stream. We super appreciate it. If you listen to the podcast version of this, Hey, thanks so much for downloading our show. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Also go to Apple podcast, drop that five star, send us a screenshot of it to at the underscore uncontested on Twitter. Also give me your address and I'll mail you out some uncontested stickers. They're dope. They look cool. You'll enjoy them. I'll enjoy sending them to you. I'll enjoy the five-star. It's a good time for everybody So go ahead and drop that five-star. Send us your screenshot. We will be back with you again Wednesday night, as the Thunder make the trip down to uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I think Nick has the post game for that one, so you guys be ready uh, and join us again Wednesday night on the live stream or your podcast player of choice. Until then, have a great start of your week. Until then, as always, Thunder up!
4: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team,